Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. My name is Pastor Joe. What if we only knew that he was able? Like, what if we forgot about everything else, right? And we were able to know that he is able to do everything that he said he was going to do. That would change our lives, amen? amen? That would remake us and, and, and make us new. And listen, listen, this is my second service. <laughs> amen? And, and I got to say that you all know how to worship. My only, my only disappointment is I wish that Pastor Kirk gave more announcements. And I wish you guys were more active. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you just need more dates and more stuff to do. <laughs> praise God. I praise God for you. I praise God for this young, active, thriving church right on this corner. That is an answer to so many people's prayers. And um, I am thankful in particular for Epiphany Fellowship Church. I'm thankful for Pastor Eric Mason. Amen. Amen. A couple of years ago, I was, I was preaching here at the Good Friday service. And, and Pastor, Pastor E said, Pastor Joe is reading, reaching a, quote, different demographic, end quote. <laughs> and we are. Um, we're reaching people that are left behind, often invisible, but a massive pocket of people unengaged with the gospel. I'm talking about, I'm talking about white people who don't want to be in North Philly. I'm talking about poor people. I'm talking about people in the trailer park. I'm talking about people on my blocks living in row homes right up against the river. Listen, I have become the guy that marries all the people who are shacked up in the Heathens Motorcycle Club. I've become the chaplain to three or four bars in town. I've become the chaplain. I've become the chaplain in the trailer park, right? So when there's a fire, a suicide, a murder, guess who they're calling? And, and what I want to tell you this morning is there wasn't a bunch of white networks or denominations that Epiphany had to step in line in front of to help plant that church. There was not a lot of people waiting to plant a church in that community. So I want to thank you. It is an honor and a privilege for our church to be named Epiphany Church of Gloucester City. And you all are grandparents. We were planted out of Camden. So you all are spiritual grandparents to a bunch of crazy people 20 minutes away. The first person, the first person we baptized she couldn't leave her trailer because 
Or she couldn't go more than a thousand feet from her trailer because she had one of those ankle bracelets on. Right? And so we had a Bible study in the sales office. And I knock on her door every week. And more than half the time, she'd be drunk still at two in the afternoon. And um, we baptized her. She teaches Sunday school. She's going to teach tonight. She's going to teach Sunday school tonight. Amen? Amen? And she tells people, she's like, I got saved. Right? And, and I don't know if you know, but not a lot of white people are like, I got saved. And they like go around telling everybody. And they're excited because they had nothing. She had nothing. And she's getting her life back. Praise God. So in our context, in our, in our context, there's a lot, of, a lot of anxiety and worry. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. It is a stronghold for us. I mean, I remember one time, this young guy run the corner store. I went in there all the time. He was an atheist. I just joke with him back and forth. When are you going to get married? <laughs> you know, all, all this stuff, right? His girl was going to come. And she had, it was a potluck, and she had the, the food on the burner. And then she had an anxiety attack. The number one reason we see people not coming out, even to church's anxiety. Now, I know that you guys have a mix of folks from the neighborhood, some folks coming from real far away, right? But in our church, it's like a lot of people haven't moved much more than like three or four blocks off of the spot where they were born. You hear what I'm saying? And change is hard. And anxiety is a stronghold. Anxiety is like being under a frozen lake and you're banging on the ice and you're drowning and you're freezing and you feel like you can't get out. It's like being in a hamster wheel and there's no off ramp. And I know in a crowd as large as this that every single person at some level has dealt with anxiety. And I bet you that there are some folks here who are crippled by anxiety. And I want to help you this morning. I want to help you by looking at what Jesus said about worry. Amen? So look with me at Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you for one moment, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's the words from the one we love. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray, give us ears. Lord, give us ears to hear from you. Oh, God, we need you. Lord, we need you to break through our stubbornness, through all the shields that we have raised up for whatever reason. Lord, let us hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Greek word for worry from this text is talking about being over-concerned. Tony Evans once said, he said, worry is like anxiety on steroids, concern on steroids. Do you hear what I'm saying? Worry just consumes you and me. And, and, and it's a whole nother sermon but sometimes we struggle with not having enough concern, right? It's not over-concern. It's not concern on steroids. Like we're talking about starting a revolution, but we can't make our own bed, right? We're talking about how we're going we're gonna to make this and that happen, and, and we just don't know how to do our own life well. But this morning we're talking about when you are in your head and you are paralyzed, over-concerned about how things are going to work out in your life. I remember one time, not that long ago actually, I was down at uh, CCP, right? Right down here on Spring Garden. And I was registering for classes. And man, that was an experience. It was my first time there. I didn't know what was going on. And a lot of people around me didn't seem to know what was going on. So it was a bunch of people who were pretty lost. And, and, and forgive me if, if this is your job. This probably wasn't you. But there are like multiple lines that you have to line up for. And if you wait for 40 minutes in a line and you get to the desk and it's 12 o'clock, that thing is shutting because it's lunchtime. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter how long you wait. And second of all, if you get there and they're like, well, you need to do X, Y, Z first. Yeah, wrong line, right? <laughs> wrong line. So, so the old me in that situation would have been crippled. I'm telling you crippled with anxiety. The old me in that situation would have looked at everybody else and whether they were looking at me or not, I would be thinking they're looking at me. I would be thinking like I can hear what's in their head. 
and, and, and there was something new in me. There was something new in me because I was able to look at the people around me and I was able to understand in a clear way and in a new way, wow, these people are as lost and anxious <laughs> and confused as I am. <laughs> and so I was able to just put a smile on my face, walk up to somebody and be like, do you know what you're doing? Because I don't <laughs> have a clue. <laughs> and let's figure this out. Let's figure this out. What I had to do is get out of my head. I had to get out of my head. I was so stuck in my thoughts, so stuck in how I thought other people th was thinking about me. You, you hear what I'm saying? Thinking about, thinking about, thinking about how everybody's thinking about me and how I don't know how things are going to work out and I'm going to get in the long line and then I'm going to be wasting my time and I'm going to be here all day. Wow, thinking a lot about myself. <laughs> so the title of my, my sermon is get out of your head. Now, I, I want to see which service can, can, can help me the most. <laughs> because if you help me preach this message, then the, it'll be shorter. And, and that'll be good for all of us. Amen? So what, what I need you to do is I need everybody in the room to shout this sermon title, right? So one, two, three, I'm going to have you shout. Get out of your head. One, two, three. I don't know, first service might have got you. Do it one more time, all right? One, two, three, help me preach. Yeah. Do, there it is, there it is, amen. <laughs> so my first point is that worry is a waste of time. Worry is a waste of time. There was a woman, many of you might have known her name, her name was Corey Ten Boom. And, and, and she had an incredible story of hiding Jews during the Holocaust. And at some point later in her life, she herself went into the concentration camps, being found out. She said something very powerful. She said, worry does not heal tomorrow's sorrow, but only empties today of its strength. Now, y'all, we need some strength. We don't need anything that's going to rob us of strength. And she said, worry does not heal tomorrow's sorrow, but only empties today of its strength. Many of you have been like me on that hamster wheel, under that ice. Webster defines worry as allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles. What does Jesus say? He says you can't add to your life. You can't add a moment. You can't add an inch. You can't change your hair. Now, I know it's like Revlon, number 45, we can change our hair, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. You cannot change so many things in your life. So many things. And worrying about it does absolutely nothing. It is a waste of time. So we got to get out of our heads, amen? And we need to remember that, number two, God is in control. Now Jesus talks about the birds and he talks about the grass. Let me ask you a question right now. Have any of you ever seen a lazy bird? Now, when I look at birds, I, I, I wonder, 
Like, if it's like from Mockingjay, like, like are they robots? You know what I mean? You ever see, like really look at a bird and they move around like really twitchy. <laughs> I mean, they got a lot of energy. Listen, brothers and sisters, God has two ordained means for you to push things forward in your life. One of them is work, and another one is prayer. But worry ain't one of them. Worry is not a means for you to push anything forward in your life. God is in control. And he has set the boundaries. He has set the rules of the game. And he says, trust in me. Pray and work. But he wants to free you from worry. John Stott said, so then God's children are not promised freedom from work, nor from responsibility, nor from trouble, but from worry. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? God has promised you freedom. He didn't promise you freedom from work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he promised you freedom from worry, though. He didn't promise you freedom from responsibility. Like, you don't get to be disengaged from your life and just say, I'm tired of worrying about all this stuff. I'm just going to hide in my room and forget about it all. You don't get to do that. You need to be concerned. You need to move your right foot of prayer and your left foot of work. And you need to keep moving and keep moving. There are things in your life that need to be dealt with. There are people you need to love. Might be your own spouse, might be your own kids. There's conversations you might need to have. But you don't got to worry. Worry, this is a tough one. Worry is a sin. As soon as the pastor says that, you're like, oh, pastor, now you just gave me something else to worry about. <laughs> Killing me. Jesus wants you to be free. It's a command and it's an invitation to live a new life. See, the key is trusting in God and the fact that he is in control. See, God is in charge. He's made clear what we need and how we move forward. And, you know, you don't need to know how it's going to work out. Listen, whatever you're going through right now, just fill in the blank, close your eyes, whatever you got to do. You don't need to know how it's going to work out, but you do need to know how Jesus is the one who can work it out for you, right? So listen to me. You got to get out of your head. You got to get out of your head. I like to say that it is true that there are situations that are helpless, and meaning that you, no amount of work, no amount of anything you do is going to change it. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are situations that are helpless. We have people in our church, right? They were given six months to live. But this is the gospel. There is no one that we cannot look them in the eye and say, this situation looks helpless. 
But it is not ever hopeless. God is in the business of healing. God is in the business of healing. And listen to me. Even if he doesn't heal, if you put your trust in him, you're going to close your eyes in this life. And I'm saying this to somebody in this room that doesn't know what's going down in the next year. If you close your eyes in this life, you will open them up again and you will see Jesus face to face. And everything that you worried about, everything that you struggled through, everything that you endured will be unimaginably worth it. Jesus says, is not your body more than food? Is not your body more than clothing? Is not your body, is not your, your, your reputation more than your best presentation on Instagram? We got to get out of our head. We got to get out of our head. So third, how do we do this? How do we have our hearts and our souls renewed? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. But I want to go with you real quick. I'll read it for you hearing. Just one verse ahead of the passage we read. Chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 24, he says, this is Jesus speaking still. No one can serve two masters, since either either will hate one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What I'm saying is, some of our worry... Some of our worry, in fact, one of the main arteries of our worries comes from the fact that we might have the wrong master. We might be leaning too hard on our pocketbook. We might be leaning too hard on our relationship status. We might be leaning too hard on how our Instagram looks. We might be leaning too hard on a million other things other than God. And when you serve anything in this life, you are like someone, you are like that woman, right, who gets married and she's engaged and they get, she gets the ring and she looks at the ring and it's a big rock and she immediately forgets about the dude who just gave her that rock. Serving anything as our master other than God may seem great for a moment. I'm telling you, the end result is always, always worry. It is always anxiety because it will let you down. And as it's letting you down, your heart's going to be like spaghetti. It's going to be all messed up and it's going to be all, you're going to be struggling unless you put your trust in God. Now listen to me. You can have your master be Jesus. You can be born again. You can have a spiritual awakening. And you can also have had a ton of stress and chaos in your life. And you might have grown up with chaos. I grew up with chaos. I mean, I remember being in the motor lodge 
with my mom and another woman and a bunch of other kids and we were on the one queen size bed and I didn't know where we were gonna be the week after. And what I'm saying is, you can be a Christian and still have brokenness in your mind and brokenness in your body that don't immediately heal. But I also want to say, and I want to give God glory, I was on a host of medications. And when I got saved, God delivered me and he healed me and he removed my need for any of that stuff. I mean, I couldn't look at somebody and have a conversation with them and God delivered me from that. And I'm ministering to contacts in Gloucester where honestly we discover person after person is over-medicated over-medicated and if they ain't over-medicated by some doctor listen to me they're over-medicating themselves and they're like I can't do people unless I'm smoking weed I can't do XYZ unless I'm drinking myself to sleep every night God is a healer God is a healer I, I, I want to I want to have a few words of caution as we close. Sometimes we think that if we just had things sorted out, we'd be all right. And that's why I'm saying get out of your head. That's why I'm saying get out of your head. Even a highly defined, well-articulated theology of suffering is not always your best weapon when you're going through it, okay? You need God's own word implanted in your heart. When I'm a pastor, right, and I'm meeting with somebody that's on the edge of existing in this life, I am not presenting Calvin, John Calvin's argument for the sovereignty of God, right? And what I, I want to say is that when my second son was born, my wife, right before she was born, he was born, she was itching and itching and itching. Like, this is weird. That's not what my wife does normally, <laughs> you know? And it got to the point where she was scratching so much, she started bleeding. And so we went to the, the doctor. And the doctor said, oh, this, this, this is a big problem. And they did the test, and it turned out that her liver stopped working. And she had bile in her blood. It wasn't filtering out the bile. And they're like, you, now it was six weeks before he was due, but they're like, we got a C-section, get this baby out now. And I remember sitting in the waiting room and it wasn't any lesson that I heard, it wasn't any sermon that I heard, it wasn't anything that I had read, but it was the words of Matthew 6, Look and consider the birds in the sky. Are you not much more valuable than them? We lived for 10 years between the A and B Street Bridge over in West Kensington, where the, where the zip code that has the hungriest people in Pennsylvania and also the purest dope, amen? 
And I was, I was there, right? And it was a field. And then I don't know if you watched Dr. Oz or whatever, Conrail, where all the camps were, the heroin camps. And that was right, that was my front yard. You walk down the hill, and there was just a camp of people living, shooting up all the time. We had, like, naked people getting high right on our stoop, bullet holes in our siding, brick thrown in our house, all that. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death that I will fear no evil. I remember when we were in Africa, in Central Africa, and our daughter was having this mysterious illness. And she couldn't sit up, and she couldn't keep her eyes straight anymore. And we didn't know what was going on, and they were testing for leukemia. They were testing for everything. And we were in a hospital in the middle of Africa where the power was constantly shutting off. And they had to do the antibiotic by hand. It was extremely painful. And we came back, and I was thinking of Matthew 8, 8, where the, where the soldier says, Jesus, I'm not worthy for you to visit my house, but you just say the word, and my servant shall be healed. Do you hear what I'm saying? What I'm saying? It's not necessarily all this stuff you jam in your head that's going to help you. You need some weapons when you're going through it. You need God's truth when you're going through it. So it is a mystery. It is a working of the Spirit of God, but it's also as normal and every day as putting your clothes on right? It, it, it's this, you know, God just healing you and allowing you to trust in him and allowing you to live for him is amazing. But it's also the most normal thing. It's just an act of obedience. We got to get out of our heads. One foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Pray, walk. Pray, walk. Pray, walk. I'm trying to help you remember this. Pray, walk. And the final warning is, when you meet somebody who's struggling with worry, one of the worst things that we can do is just feed into their worry. And one of the things that we do is we sit next to that person, and we hear their story, and then we say, yeah, your life does suck. Wow. Like, you're going through a lot. Like, and then you start worrying with them. And that is like taking the tank and pouring gasoline on an open flame. But here's the difficult part. Here's the difficult part. There is a card that you get to carry in your wallet. And you get to pull out and you get to jam up somebody. And you get to tell them to stop worrying, to get out of their head. But guess what? That is not a ascribed card because you're part of the same church. That's not an ascribed right because you signed some paper that said you're part of the same covenant community. That is an earned right where you put the time in and you've walked with somebody for a while and you know the difference of when somebody needs to be joked up or when they need to be jammed up. And you know the difference when they need a ride for a couple hours down the shore and back and they just need a text and saying stop. 
Stop it. Stop believing lies. Stop believing the devil. So this is my prayer, that you would earn the right. You would get that card. You wouldn't force it. You wouldn't manipulate it. You would give the time to earn the right to tell somebody to get out of their head. And it might be the most, that might be the gospel for them. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, you tell us to seek first your kingdom. You tell us that, that you're going to take care of us. You got us covered. Lord, I pray, Father, that we would live like that's true. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.